HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. everyone, and welcome to another spooky haunted episode of America's favorite haunted comedy food history podcast, Life's a Banquet. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi, I thought I'd change the format of our show to being more haunted. Is that okay with you? That's the same format that we've always had. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's edible, it's spreadable, it's pourable. I'm Zara, the hatchet master, Tangora. Hello. <laughs> Who art thou? And I'm Nicole. Are you haunted in I'm any Nicole. way? Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm haunted. <laughs> Wait, I hear myself. Uh, I just I'm heard haunted. my own screams in your headphones. You're screaming really loud, that's why. <laughs> Probably. Or it's my ghost. Anyway, I'm sorry. How are you haunted? Please share with the group. Um, I don't know. I'm not haunted. Oh, okay. Well, this is America's <laughs> spookiest podcast with one haunted host and one non-haunted host. I'm losing it. <laughs> I'm losing it, buddy. What's happening with you? Mm, nothing. Oh, okay. Just well, as living usual, in the suburbs like without a car. Add- not a lot yeah. goes on here. That's rough. That's rough. Have you gotten anything thrown at you while you're walking down the street? No. Hmm. I had a friend Why? in high school one. Well, I just I had something that I wanted to say, so it was just <laughs> Um, I had a friend in high school once who was walking down the street and somebody threw a freaking banana milk at his face and it like ruptured his eye and his like eye almost fell out. What's a banana milk? Uh like a banana quick ew i mean yeah it's terrible on all fronts like if you're gonna lose an eye to lose it to a banana milk of all things is just i actually used to like banana milk if we really want to be honest here and why shouldn't we be i never i don't i've never heard of this before a banana milk really have you heard of strawberry milk i feel like i know that nesquik made a strawberry milk but i don't i never it was more like a Yoohoo thing for me, my life oh, cycle. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Strawberry Yoohoo was a thing, right? 
I don't think so. Did they just have chocolate? No. Mm-mm. There was definitely oh. more kinds of Yoohoo. Yeah. Yoohoo is, is gross. I don't know. Yoohoo is whack. It's the worst of all the chocolatey drinks. Sorry, Yoohoo. We will still take you as a sponsor. I don't think they make Pay it. Pay us Do to they change make our it? opinion. Do they make Yoohoo like still? Mellow Yellow. I thought they'd stop making it, but apparently it still exists. I'm not sure. You know what is really gross? Also, while we're on the topic of just hating. Obviously, I've quit my com- no complaining thing. <laughs> Suddenly, this podcast brings out the worst in me. Um, is Bosco? Are you familiar with Bosco? Isn't that like a TV show? No, By no. An elderly man who fights crime or something? <laughs> You're thinking of Columbo. No, no, it's a new, it's new, it's present day. It's like a white-haired mm. man who is like, in, you know, an actor that we would recognize but don't know his name. Oh, really? No, I have not heard of that, but... Hold on, let me see if this is called Bosco. I wonder if it's sponsored by Bosco. Maybe they're trying to bring Bosco back. Bosco was like, you know, a powder oh, and... I, it's a musical what? group also, just so you know. <laughs> oh, excuse, pardon all of us. Um, yeah, Bosco was like a kind of nestle quick knockoff that was not as delicious um i have a similar memory of bosco as i do of carob calling back to last week's show something i'm angry about all kinds of fake chocolate that i don't like um you know what i do like rollos hmm i don't like rollos. okay bosco is not the show i was thinking of but it is a slightly terrifying children's television series from 91 Featuring a clown-like guy who's pretty spooky. (laughs) See, this is a haunted podcast. From the 70s. Yep, creepy. He would be... He's kind of creepy. You should put him on our, like, Instagram for the podcast this week. Uh, I will. (laughs) No one will know what the hell we're talking about. Um, So it's a powdered drink mix. Powdered, or I believe there was a Bosco syrup as well. It was also featured oh. in a Seinfeld episode. It's not This is good. vaguely familiar. It's yeah, like probably it's more like a 70s thing. Mm, yes, of when I was a small child in the early 1970s. Um, <laughs> I used to do, do... I'm assuming you're the same way because I've heard you speak a lot about Crystal Light, but I was a real fan of like powdered drink things that you would mix into a liquid and then all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom, you have a drink. Yeah, in my high school people no i guess this is middle school but people would take little baggies of kool-aid mm. and like sell them to kids to eat with your finger during class because you know it's already pre-sweetened <laughs> yeah and so they got in trouble for like selling stuff in school even though it was kool-aid yeah don't don't eat the kool-aid weird. or drink the kool-aid as we know from our Jones just weird they got in trouble. I guess for like selling stuff, but they're just selling a harmless powder. Yeah, like I mean, well, what maybe kind not of harmless. Trouble? They got in trouble for like selling shit on school, like they were selling drugs, but it was cool. no, no. I, I feel you, but like I'm wondering about what was the punishment? Like, did they go to federal prison? Like, what happened? I mean, they're white kids, so probably not a lot. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I was a good Christian child, so I didn't participate in that. Right, of course. Um, also, I, I didn't have a lot of spare cash in middle school. I wasn't like, yo, give me some of that Kool-Aid. Sure, where do you even get money in middle school? I mean, I guess if you Your have rich parents, lunch. they give you money. Um, you get lunch money. Did you ever snort, like, pixie sticks? 
I don't know if I snorted them. I think I might have made my sister snort them. I can't remember. I definitely did. And I think I mentioned Ow. a couple weeks ago that I took shots of Sprite. I've been, I guess, a lover of drugs and alcohol <laughs> since a very young <laughs> age. Just trying to do it in whatever form possible. I don't do drugs anymore, obviously. Well, I sh- maybe not obviously. I don't do drugs anymore, just in case my mom's listening. Um, but definitely still take shots of Sprite. <laughs> um, doesn't it hurt your nose to snort pixie sticks? Um, well, when I was doing it last night, it didn't. But <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I just I did always love powders, though. Come to think of it, I loved Fun Dip. I loved yeah, Fun Dip the, is cool. Like, the iced tea powder that I would totally like dunk my fingy and my phalanges and then lick the powder off and then put my dirty finger back in, which, you know, you just can't do anymore because of the Corona's. But, uh, if you live alone, you can, that's true. I do dip my fingers into most of my food in my house. I like rarely use a plate or a utensil. I was just eating salsa out of the jar moments ago with your hands. Yeah. I was just eating fistfuls of salsa no i was just taking like a chip and dunking it right into the jar but it was like oh, a yeah. really skinny jar so was, i had to break the chips into fragments to get them in there oh yeah this is why We've i'm single been there. <laughs> i think that's a common american experience so what i do is i take the chips and i crush them in the palm of my hand i pour it put them in my mouth and then i pour the salsa into my mouth and just make a perfect bite in my mouth <laughs> i crush them in my hand and then pour this salsa into my hand and then slurp it up <laughs> like someone who's drinking water from a pond after like days of thirst being lost in the woods <laughs> <laughs> yeah which i don't recommend it's dangerous unless you have one of those straws that kills all the amoebas or whatever <laughs> i was listening to some of our old podcasts today um just to like you know as get I was, in the mood <laughs> Yeah, as I was looking in the mirror and masturbating and listening to my own <laughs> podcast. Um, no, I just, I don't know why I, I did it, but I did. And there was one that you were, t- when we were talking about infomercials and you were mentioning like the invention that was a golf club that you pee, <laughs> pee into. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my, I yeah. LOL'd all over Court Street. American ingenuity. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, what have you been <laughs> cooking? Anything good? What? Have you been cooking anything good for your fam lamb? No, I took this. I just like my, I don't, I don't go to the store or anything because I don't have a car. So I'm kind of trapped here. Mm. Um, so I'm at the whim of my parents. But yesterday we made this thing. There's like a salad came in a bag, including the chicken. There's like grilled chicken and oh. avocado salad dressing and tortilla strips and lettuce all together in a bag and like cabbage. It was good. Wow. That's that's very. I mean that. I've not ever seen the meat in the bag, but like it makes sense to so you put just it all like in a bag. Go to the store, you come home, and you open up a bag, and dinner's served. Dinner Voila. is served, <laughs> and dinner is served. That sounds very easy and delicious. It was good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, then I talked to my friend on the phone for many hours yesterday, drinking Crystal Light and vodka. Oh, excuse, je, je excuse. What uh, what friend? Uh, none of your business. <laughs> uh, all of us want to know who your other friend is. <laughs> uh, my friend Mike, my sweet friend Mike Sala. Oh, Mike! Hey, I don't know you. 
Um, that's cool. I, um, what have I made? I, like, had a bunch of shit in my fridge, as per usual, that I did not utilize during the week. And so yesterday, I made a bean salad, and I brought it to the beach with my cousibo. Uh, it was good. There was some beans, some chickpeas, there was fresh mozzarella, and cucumbers, and scallions. It was delicious. Some lemon, some EVOO, as my hero Rachel Ray would say. <laughs> and um, we went to the beach. We brought a baguette. And then I wanted to mention to you when you come back. Now, I understand that the trope We brought a of, baguette. Like, <laughs> I got a baguette. Yeah, I baguette about it. I mm-hmm. said, hey, I need to baguette about it. And I purchased one baguette. <laughs> brought it to the beach with this delicious salad and some salami that I had left over from a party. And we made a meal of it. And then, this is what I really want to tell you and all our listeners... <laughs> Is that we visited a um, soft serve ice cream place that's apparently been around for generations, Mom and Pop, in Long Beach. After we left uh, Robert Moses, we took a little cruise down to Long Beach and got soft serve ice cream from this place called Marvel. It's like I don't know if it's supposed to be a knockoff Carvel or if Carvel knocked off Marvel. I don't really have the time to look too much into this feud. It's but not it's a Marvel. Well, I think it's pronounced Marvel, according to our friend Dan, who took me there for the first time. They said it's Marvel, and we even Fine. made a song about it that goes Marvel, 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 Marvel. Not so a I lot hope of lyrics. Marvel. No, no, but the you know, the artistry is in the uh, composition of the same word. So listen, the that's proof is in the pudding. It, the proof is in the soft serve, bitch, because they have fucking pistachio soft serve and strawberry soft serve, and you can get them in a swirl. That's tight. Yo, I'd never had pistachio soft serve until I went with Dan, and then yesterday I went for a strawberry soft serve with rainbow sprinkles, and it was like, what a delight. I loved you it. Can, Every lick. You mix them together? No, I didn't mix them, but next time I, I think I might, although... They also have coffee soft serve, which really mm. speaks to me. Um, so I might go for coffee with chocolate sprinkles or coffee with like little crushed Oreo bits. Mm. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, that mm-hmm. sounds cool. Yeah, dude. It really was cool. You know, was the color fun. combo of pistachio and strawberry would be very Instagrammable. Right. It's sexy. I'm picturing the strawberry as like a millennial pink, but I don't really know because I wasn't It there. is millennial pink, but this place is not full of people who are taking pictures of their ice cream. These are real, legit Long Islanders who no, are No, I'm just giving in... you social media advice. I'm like your oh. social media manager. Right, right, right. Because I'm totally the kind of person who takes a picture of my drippy ice cream cone in my hand. I'd rather die. <laughs> I'm not really a cone gal, as I they know. say. We've, we don't have this in common. Also, the um, dripping is part of the reason. Like, come on. Right. Well, I have always said that I pick, like, I will know if I'm going to get ice cream with a guy because I go get ice cream on all my dates, on all my first dates that I go on. <laughs> um, but if you go get ice cream with a dude and he, or like a partner of any sex or gender, um, for me, a dude, a, a great cis white male with lots of toxic energy, um, and they get a ice cream cup I say that's the biggest red flag for me why because they don't want to get ice cream all over their hands it means they're probably not very good at eating pussy 
in my mind. I don't, I don't think that's true. <laughs> if you want to eat out of a cup, I mean, you want to, you really want to get into the, you want a man who eats ice cream out of a cone. Uh, I, you want a partner who eats ice cream out of a cone. No. Yeah. Trust me. Trust me on this one. I have great taste in men. Trust me on this one. (laughs) (laughs) I have great taste in men. I always find really nice boyfriends. And so uh, take it from me, folks. (laughs) Anything I say um, about finding a mate is accurate. Anyway, moving on. Um, Should we get into our topic or what? What do you think? No. I don't even remember what it is. Let's keep talking more shit. You want to talk more shit about about pussy <laughs> or something <laughs> tell me, else? Tell me the tea about New York. I don't know what's going on. Oh, you want me to spill the tea on NYC? Hmm, what is going on? Well, uh, it's hot. It's sweaty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a decent amount of Black Lives Matter protesting going on, which is great to see. There's still people occupying City Hall. Um, there are? Yeah. Yep. There's been a lot more arrests and kind of police violence happening um and did they arrest de blasio bill de blasio is in the guillotine (laughs) (laughs) we found out he's full of cake um just kidding that's a marie antoinette joke Mm -hmm. Um, i saw it on instagram yeah i stole it from the internet uh, what else is going on? Nothing much. I'm going upstate tomorrow to see my friends Alexis and Kyle and their kiddos. Um, it was funny. I walked to the Union Square Farmer's Market today and I texted my friend Alexis. I was like, hey, do you want me to bring you anything from the Farmer's Market? And then I realized, like, I'm just going to the Farmer's Market to buy vegetables from upstate and then walk five miles back to my house with them and then just bring them back upstate. <laughs> yeah. Take them back to their home. Hi, I'm bringing you... Yes, exactly. It's a lost vegetable rescue program that I'm involved in. Uh, <laughs> All those kidnapped vegetables, they have to be taken back to their home. <laughs> exactly. Um, a lot of people are coming under fire. As we know, restaurant owners are being put on blast uh, left and right. Yeah. So that's happening. Um, lots of outdoor dining, which continues to make me feel sad for everybody it's just involved. So- it's so interesting that first of all well first of all I'm just I'm proud of the New York restaurants and how scrappy they are they have to be but mm-hmm. they were just like they had the last minute notice that this is going to happen and then they all just like built wooden decks in the street yeah. for their customers which is yeah. <laughs> crazy it's wild it's very weird they're also, to watch they're temporary so like they're <laughs> they're yeah. not permanent I don't know it's just so strange it's so strange. Plus, I keep just thinking, like, how much do some of these fucking decks take to make? Like, well, a couple thousand dollars, including most the labor. Of them, I mean, most of them are doing it themselves. One person, the, there's also a bunch of stuff going on with the, the department, like the, not the Department of Health, the Department of, the people that get mad about your plants being far away from the street. What are those people? Consumer affairs I think people? Oh, I don't know. Whatever. So the people that Scully come and around, <laughs> the people that give you a fine for this, essentially. So uh-huh. they sent out these specs, and you had to basically take a picture and send it to them, and then you get approved. But they, everyone's complaining on the like the bar owner email chain that I'm on that they keep getting cease and desist letters, they keep getting secret visits, and then they keep getting 
find and it's just basically they're going around to each individual thing and if it's not up to perfect spec they're making them pay fines so that's like this great really screwed up thing because they only had like maybe a week's notice that this was even going to be the way that it was going to go down and then yeah. They're just hammering together boards. It's just crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. I, I agree with you. I respect people. Listen, it's as we, you and I personally have discussed many times, it's a very complicated situation for everyone. I'd say the majority of people are well-intended and trying their best. And that goes from the cons- the customer to the owner. And well, in a lot of cases, people are really just trying to scramble to figure out what the fuck is going on and save people's jobs and their own businesses and I think that the intention even among customers even when they're like you know seem ignorant is probably pretty well-meaning but it is very weird to see because it's so temporary like we have no idea what's going to happen from one day to the next the amount of money you can make in these little outdoor spaces is like nothing combined to what it's like to actually you know be operating a restaurant which you're already probably not making money at and you're spending money on this stuff. You're now I now learning you're getting fined. It's just like, and then what happens in November when everything? Ha- it's just sad. It makes me feel sad. Well, it's just and- really sad that we don't. We the way that the world is set up is we we no city even New York which like through the basic necessity of having so many people living in a space has more protections for people than other cities. Still has absolutely right. no infrastructure or idea how to help in this situation. And so we get this, which is just like, it's just ridiculous and it's kind of pathetic. Um, yeah. But speaking of the New York government, have you seen the Cuomo poster? The new one? No. Mm-mm. Is he wearing, is he shirtless with his nipple rings re- revealed? No. So I saw this on Instagram and I sent it to my friend. I have like a text group friend thing. And I was like, have I'll you guys seen right this now. poster? Yeah, go to his Instagram. Okay. Um, and I was like, have you guys seen this poster? Because this is crazy. And my friend was like, yeah, he's actually done a, a couple of these posters. They're like old-timey propaganda posters. And if you're not familiar with those, even if you are, you're like, this is insane. It makes no sense. What the hell is going on here? Um, Wait, this one that says New York Tough, Smart Unite with the Mountain? Yes. Oh, yeah. Do you see the winds of fear there? That's my favorite part. Yeah. And the days of hell? <laughs> so this is like a a poster for the coronavirus, I guess, and how we were New York oh. tough about it. Um, so I encourage everyone listening to please check it out on his Instagram. It's also, they talked about it in the it's New York Times. Um, it's shocking. And the Donald remarkable. Trump, who looks like a teenager sitting in the moon? Mm-hmm. He's saying wow. it's just the flu. Yeah, I've studied this extensively. That, huh? <laughs> wow, this is really weird. This also, is bizarre. Okay, so a couple other tidbits that I think are kind of crazy is that they said in the New York Times, do you see boyfriend Cliff up there near Trump? Uh, hang on. Boyfriend it's right by the Cliff? car. There's a little car. God, you know this so well. Oh, yeah, boyfriend Cliff. Where? What is oh, that? Yeah. Is that a place that I could go to find a boyfriend? A po- according to the New York Times, it's allegedly the his daughter's boyfriend's, like, <laughs> hanging on oh. for dear life. I don't understand. What? That car this is, is one too of, personal. One of Cuomo's muscle cars because he's a muscle car guy. Where are his nipple rings on this whole thing? I, I mean, Cuomo like designed it, but an actual <gasps> artist he, he made designed it. it? Who am 
Yeah. How does doesn't he have to govern? Who's got the time to make this thing? This thing's crazy. He woke up in the I middle of the night with the poster. The first poster, he woke up in the middle of the night and drew it all in a fever dream. Wow, I'm just I'm speechless. I don't actually know if I like it or hate it. <laughs> I'm unsure. It's how a I real. Feel about uh, this. It's fascinating. It's really. It's a puzzler. Yeah, hmm. you should read the New York Times article because it it talks about his inspired by an old timey. Um, like running for office poster from somebody else. I can't remember the names. Okay, I will do some more investigating in this. Um, I don't see any people of color. Oh, mm. one black person. Great job, Cuomo. <laughs> fucking idiot. Yeah, he's Is there a, a dumb fucking dumb. octopus in this thing. There's an octopus here. Yeah, there's an here. octopus in this one and the one before, but the one. Before that, oh it's a three-headed God. sea monster, so, you know. I am concerned for his mental state. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's like, yeah, he's gone full Chevy Chase in Christmas vacation. Also, New York tough to me is insulting. Like, what? I don't doubt that this guy had a hard time of it, but it was a lot worse for so many other people, and for him to be like we made it through this because we're new york tough is insulting to me yeah i mean we just made it through because so many people got sick <laughs> eventually like everyone got sick and that you yeah. know what i'm saying we like, killed everyone like, that was vulnerable to die and so now yeah. we're fine my Great sister job. is killed, yeah then coming back next week as you know um yeah my sister is coming with me and she was not going to come with me because she was worried about going to new york and i'm like oh no it's it's safe to go to new york now um yeah safest city in the world that's just like when rudy giuliani made new york city the safest city in the world by arresting <laughs> all of the black people and uh <laughs> saying that they're criminals and but, yeah you know, i'm just like we killed everyone already so right it's... that's how we make things safe we just kill people and throw them in jail and, also uh, it, but it is so you know, in New York, where you are, and Indiana, where I am, which luckily Indiana hasn't had a spike, although I feel like it might be coming. Um, it was very scary to be in New York during that time. Like, so what people yeah. are experiencing in Texas right now, I don't know if it's maybe different because it's been around for so long, but it was very, very scary to like leave the house and like touch things and go to the grocery store. And, you know, it's it's very scary now to think about how it's happening in other states and how it's just gonna like my friend had a friend come visit him from new orleans in new york and he was like when they were on the plane they said they were like in midair and they're like new york just changed its rules so you have to quarantine now because you're in one of the states that new york says if you come here on a plane you have to quarantine oh my um, god yeah but they're not making people who drive in quarantine like I'm right. driving in from Indiana. I mean, my Indiana's not on the list of quarantine states, but, you know, they're, yeah. they're not monitoring all the people that are just driving through the Holland well, Tunnel. Well, yeah. That would be really difficult to do. Almost impossible. Right. So, like, but that's the point. It's like, people are still coming in from other states. Right. That are infected, right. and it's just going to start all over again, and it's never going to end. I know. Well, not until everyone has been killed off. <laughs> and that brings us to our topic today, which is related to what we're talking about, road, road trips. trips. Yeah. Road trips. Nicole, Woo! you've gone on a lot of road trips, haven't you? I love road trips. But I, when I drive from New York to Indiana, it's not really a road trip. I'm like 
in it to get there and like not stop and not do any sightseeing. Although on the way here, this most recent time, I did make my cousin who volunteered to drive from Indiana to New York to come get me. Um, I made her stop in Ohio at a lake so that we could dip our feet in the lake. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I do love a water feature. Oh, yeah, water feature is wonderful. Um, So I am going to talk about Route 66. Hell yeah! Get your kids, bitch! (laughs) The world's oldest road trip road. Awesome, I'm so excited. Um, Okay, so Route 66 is also, in addition to being a roadway, is a Kmart clothing brand... <laughs> and mm-hmm. I used to own many Route 66 like T-shirts that would say Route 66 on the front and have like an American flag. And oh. when I was in middle school, okay, a little baby patriot. Mm-hmm. No, I mean like you know, it was like I just wanted a T-shirt with I wanted a graphic tee, and that's what sure, they had sure. at Kmart. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. There's also no a song called "Get Your Kicks on Route 66." Which was featured in the Route 66 commercials for the clothing line. <laughs> oh, who does the song? Well, Nat King Cole does a song that I listened to today, but I actually don't know if he wrote that song. So look it up, okay. people. Yeah, figure it out. <laughs> what do you think we're here for? Um, yeah, sorry. I just had to slapdash this together a little bit because I was babysitting today unexpectedly. No problem. So, the, um, it is one of the most famous roads in the United States of America. One of the most famous. I don't know what the other ones are. <laughs> What's that, what is, like, another famous road? I guess, like, the PCH is famous. What else? What else? The, P, like, Pacific Coast Highway. That's the only other really famous uh, road sure. I can think of. sure. And, like, and of I guess... the LIA. Route 1 down the East Coast is, like, I guess... Right. Famous? Famous is a weird word That's to talk about. That's a great route. For a road. I know, it's great. Um, it's also called Will Rogers Highway or the Main Street of America. Oh. Yeah. It was established on November 11th, 1926. And it goes from Chicago to L.A. So I bet people east of Chicago were like, not my Main Street, because they weren't. <laughs> they weren't on it. <laughs> not my Main Street, not my problem. <laughs> um... In the novel, The Grapes of Wrath, maybe you've heard of it. Mm, Yes. Fabulous. Famous novel. (laughs) Uh, Highway 66 symbolizes escape and loss. Think about that, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm head-scratching. It was the primary route for those migrating west during the Dust Bowl in the 30s. Mm, Um, And then, you know, it had its heyday. It was the route that you went on. People wrote a song about it. Everyone was like, thank God, I can finally drive from Illinois to Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, and then in 1985, they removed it from the highway system because <gasps> the 80s are when we decided to dismantle America in every way possible. <laughs> Whoa, wait, so there, there's no more Route 66? So essentially, it's not in the highway system because so many new like interconnecting roads. You know how it's like you're driving across the midwest for example like there'll be highways connecting each other or you can do like the old roads on the side it's like the big highway system sort of took over so right right. um 
Yeah, so in 1985, it was removed from the highway system, but there is a historic Route 66 that runs through Illinois, Missouri, New Mexico, and Arizona. So, like, the old roads are still there. It's just not as connected as it was before. Got it. Um, and they're also currently redeveloping it into a bicycle route because it actually did, and for the most part, it, it kind of did go through the main streets of America, so... This is also why I, when I go on a road trip, I kind of like to stay off the highways and just go through the old roads um, mm-hmm. because you get to drive through all the what's left of the old-timey main streets in all the little towns that you drive through um, yeah. that have been gutted and destroyed by NAFTA. So <laughs> 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 It's really nice to see oh, the, the old crumbling shells of what used to be. I mean, you know, yeah. obviously, like, I'm not... I don't want to mistake myself for, you know, a Make America Great Apart. I know that those old mainstreams were very racist, but, you know, moving yeah, on. but it's still nice to say. Um, they're turning it into a bicycle route, which I think is very cute. And yeah, that is cute. Links back to another episode where we made fun of our friend. Yes, who I was had just thinking been, about that. If he'd been able to stick with it, he could have gotten on that Route 66 <laughs> bicycle route. Oh, our friend Ryan, who rode a rascal scooter through part of the country <laughs> <laughs> also oh, i don't I, i'm interested to learn more about this united states bicycle route because i suspect that you probably are still very likely to get hit by a semi-truck on it but who knows yeah that's obviously doesn't appeal to me since i have not ridden a bike since age 16 but i do think it's cool for others yeah would you um, do it would you ever ride across country well yeah i probably would um I would stay in little motels. I mean, camping, I'm fine. I was just talking to my friend about this. I'm fine with camping. I don't feel, I don't love camping. I don't hate camping. I feel exactly the same way. You know what the thing with camping is, is that I don't like the actual, like, sleeping part of it. Like, Mm -hmm. I love all the rest of the stuff that goes along with it, like the cooking food on the fire, obviously telling spooky stories. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Don't love frogs jumping into my tent, as I'm afraid of frogs, so that does not work for me. But I don't like sleeping on the ground. That's the thing. I mean, I just, I'm like a sensitive sleeper, so... I don't, it's hard for me to sleep on the rocky ground. And then also, this happened to my friend who never camps. I was like, oh, you guys were camping. I'm like, did you put your tent under a tree so that you don't have to wake up so early? And he was like, no, girl. He was like, I woke up at 8 a.m. And I was like, I can't breathe. Because, <laughs> you know, the sun <laughs> just cooks your tent and it becomes like a yeah. little oven. Um, yeah. But then if you put your tent under a tree, bugs fall on it all night. There's like a lot of bugs. I camped a, a lot, lot when I was a kid. One time we were camping when I was a kid and a rainstorm happened and wherever the tent was just, it, the tent just filled up with water. So we were like, <gasps> my mom and my sister and I, my, like my little sister and I were little kids and I had my strawberry shortcake sleeping bag and it got completely soaked because the tent was just like filled with an inch of water and that was oh, no. not fun. That sucks. I have a camping story from my, I'll tell you later though, from a okay. road trip that I took. Um, so I just quickly, I found, it was actually, so of course, naturally, a lot of the diners along Route 66 are no longer in operation, probably compounded by COVID. Mm. Um, but it was once a place where, like, business flourished, and it was where you could have, like, your little, you could have your little, like, Main Street diner, but if it was on Route 66, you got a lot more customers, obviously, because it's a main thoroughfare. 
Um, sure. So there's a couple of places that are still left, and it's really cool. To, they've been like historic, like on their historical record. So you should look it up if you're interested. There's like some hotels. There's a the U drop in with the the letter U drop in. Oh, that's cute. Um, there's and there's a couple of places called like the Wigwam, which is probably not cool anymore, but they're mm. really old and they're still there. Um, and yeah, just like those little roadside hotels and diners. But I just got a compilation of, according to some person on the internet, delish.com, mm. the best places to eat along Route 66. So we have fun. the Cozy Dog Drive-In in Illinois that was established in 1949. Still there. Cool. We have Leroy's Highland, which is in California and was established in 1976. So does it really count? I don't know, but... Seems yeah, pretty cool. We can count it. I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, there's the Big Texan Steak Ranch, where, in the fashion of the great outdoors, you can, if you can eat a 72 ounce steak, a shrimp cocktail, a baked potato with butter, sorry, baked potato and a roll with butter, in under an hour, you get it for free. I can do that. Wait, how big is the steak? 72 ounces. Oh, no, I can't do that. I can only <laughs> eat like three bites of steak. The rest of it I could do, though. Uh, my nephew's favorite movie right now is The Great Outdoors, so I have been Love rewatching it. it over and over and over again. Um, so it's good. A great movie. There's also great summer movie. Do you what? It's a great summer movie. Definitely. Uh, there's also Jig's Smokehouse in Oklahoma, the West Side Lilo's Cafe in Arizona, famous for their giant cinnamon roll. And another Illinois... A lot of these places are in Illinois. Um, the Chili Parlor. It's simply called the Chili Parlor. They have Chili Mac. Mm. Do you know what that is? Uh, no, but I should since I'm on an all-chili diet. <laughs> yeah. That's like... I don't know if it's Midwestern, but it's like Skyline Chili. Basically, it's when you put spaghetti. Like, you serve the chili on top of spaghetti. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yep, yep. Yeah. And Never that's... That's my story. Route 66! that's cool well i might be taking a cross-country road trip soon so i will try to take a route to 66 and (laughs) let's take a quick break so amanda doesn't hate us right back right after these thrilling messages from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by roberta's home of heritage radio network for 10 years Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Alive, we'll take- 
today that is very much entwined with your story. I think they're great companion pieces to one another. <laughs> uh, now, I briefly heard about this story when um, we did a fried chicken episode. I think it was like episode two or three and Breton did the story of Colonel Sanders, um, which I feel like if we were to revisit now, there'd be a lot more. I can't imagine Colonel Sanders was a great person, um, <laughs> although that is just... Unfa- uh, I don't have anything to back that up, but just judging by you guys the suit and the mustache. There's no sorted, there was no sorted trivia that you guys dove into during the... He didn't else. mention it, but that being that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, so anyone with facial hair that looks that way and a thin, thin tie and a seersucker suit... <laughs> is he really a colonel? Is he like a stolen valor guy? Is he lying? No, he wasn't a colonel, but... <gasps> Yeah, he was a liar. He was a goddamn liar. So listen, I'm not talking about him today, though. (laughs) I'm talking about someone else who was brought up briefly during that episode. A man named Duncan Hines. Yep, that's right. The same Duncan Hines from your very favorite cake mix. I will say, I do like cake mix, and I fully believe in it. And people might be shocked to hear that, but it makes perfect cake, so. No, it's great. My my nephew just had his birthday, uh, so we made a chocolate Duncan Hines devil's food cake. Yeah. Was it great? It was delicious. We were going to put, he decided he went strawberry frosting. It's really actually very hard to find strawberry frosting in a jar nowadays. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You, Which I think is a human also, tragedy. It truly is. Strawberry frosting is delicious. But I want to begin with a joke, obviously. And okay. don't worry, it's not going to be funny. Um, <laughs> a penguin was taking a summer road trip in the American Southwest when his car broke down and he got to the nearest auto body shop the mechanic told him it would take an hour to check his car sorry my computer just shut up so the penguin waddled across the street to an ice cream shop and ordered a vanilla cone which made a huge mess of himself because he See? has flippers what i'm just saying they're messy oh yeah yeah yes penguins of course you're always saying that they're very messy no um, ice after- cream cones oh yeah, yeah yes <laughs> both of them together it's a disaster <laughs> After about an hour had passed, he waddled back to the auto body shop and the mechanic mechanic said, well, looks like you blew a seal. And the penguin said, nope, that's just ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) That actually is kind of funny. (laughs) It's maybe the best joke that I've told yet on this show, honestly. (laughs) I got my sources today were an NPR story by Nicole Janikowski, a Mash.com article by Deborah Kelly. Uh, and Savor article by Todd Coleman. And here we go. Okay. Duncan Hines was born in 1880. So he's extremely old by this point. He would be 140 <laughs> years old. <laughs> he's 140 years old? He's 140 years young, Nicole. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's um, definitely in like the lizard Illuminati then. I guess. Exactly. Vampire! <laughs> uh. uh. Duncan Hines was born in 1880 in Bowling Green, Kentucky. He was one of 10 children. Ouch. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, only six of the children survived past infancy. His mother died when he was four years old. So he, life for Duncan Hines did not start off great. Um, I mean, everyone had a lot of children back then. That was like... That's true. And most of them perished. Yeah. You have like 
a bunch of them and so that when half of them die of whatever living yeah, in still, that time you, you still, still have, have some left. left right 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 bowling green is not far from here by the way it's like three hours away oh well you should go because there's actually a duncan hines memorial highway and you can go graffiti it because he was a piece of crap as you'll later find out <laughs> down the line i can't wait um his father served in the confederate army so this is some foreshadowing um and he couldn't care for his family after his wife died so he sent duncan and uh, his one of his brothers to live with the maternal grandmother and this is where he kind of learned to like food he was quoted as saying food is something just to fill the hollow space under my ribs not until after i came to my live with my grandma duncan which i think is weird that his grandma's name was duncan so i'm assuming that like back then his parents just named him from the mom's maiden name and then his yeah. dad's last name. That's a well, common... I don't know what all the other kids were named, though. It's just it's a common thing for the maiden name of the mom to be the name of one of the children. Okay, well, that's... Or the middle name. Mm. It's a pretty waspy well, thing to do, but I guess they did it during the Civil War, too. Who knows? Yeah, any racists just adopted this practice. Um, so, blah, 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 I came to my grandma Duncan. Did I realize that how wonderful cookery could be? She made things like apple pie, pecan pie, country ham, candied yams, turnip greens with fat back, and beaten biscuits and cornbread. Is she still, sorry, where is, her, where is grandma Duncan? Is she still in Kentucky? Yeah, she's in Kentucky as well. Okay. Just down the way. Um, so he was also a, a bad child. He had a fascination with trains and trying to fuck them up, according to what? Louise Hatchett, who is his biographer. Yeah, so check this out. Um, he caused at least one major train accident when he was a kid because he built a snowman on the train tracks and the engineer <laughs> of the train slammed on the brakes so fast that it like made it caused a huge accident. I don't think anyone was killed, but it made all the cars uncouple. Oh, my God. Yeah. This yeah. is like the equivalent of like torturing cats present day when you're young. And that's how you know exactly. you're going to be a murderer. Exactly. A hundred percent. Right. Being dropped on your head, bedwetting and torturing animals. So this was the 1800s version of that. So he went on to kill <laughs> about 350 sex workers. Um, no, we don't know if he murdered anyone, but we can assume he did. Yeah. So from the 20s to the 40s, he was a traveling salesperson and he Uh-oh. would sell That's the letter- perfect job for murder. I know. Actually, I hadn't put these pieces together, but you're absolutely right, Nicole. He was a murderer. Hmm. I'm saying this with 100% certainty. Come at me, Duncan Hines Our estate. Sleuths <laughs> get together. Maybe he's the man from the train. You know, that book oh, about the... Oh, shit. Yep. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe we're cracking this case. This is blowing my mind. Uh, so he went across the country murdering people and selling letter openers and paper clips, which a letter opener is a murdering tool. That's a murder Hello? weapon. Yeah, and a paperclip, too. If you stab someone enough times with it, could kill them. <laughs> yeah, death by a million but, paper cuts. Did, <laughs> I didn't know that they had paperclips in the 1800s. This is blowing my mind. This is in the 1920s, 1920s oh, through okay. 40s. So this is when he's, like, an adult. Right. Um. So there wasn't, like, anywhere good to eat, and this was way before there was any kind of rating system. Like, you couldn't, obviously, check in on fucking instagram and see what kind of cool restaurants were around you where you could get a drippy ice cream cone let me actually this this is good because i was originally gonna do i was trying to find something that like planes trains and automobiles what we're trying to do um but Mm -hmm. i did find that before dining cars were a thing that people who traveled on trains just had to like eat at whatever they had at the depot and it says in the wikipedia article (laughs) that what they had at the depot was typically rancid meat (laughs) (laughs) 
so Ooh, nobody yum. wanted to travel on the train because that's what you had to eat on your trip. All you could get was rotten meat. Like, imagine so, like, being so hungry that you're like, for like a day trip, you're like, I guess I'll get the rotten meat. I mean, it's really interesting to think about the fact that there were not restaurants back then. So, yeah. So when you hear someone be like, there was nothing good to eat, I just am like, yeah, right. But it was yeah, true. <laughs> it was true. Well, so he, like, there were restaurants, but, like, it was impossible to know where they were, right? They weren't listed on maps. You would just have to rely on, like, word of mouth. And in the early 1900s, or I guess beginning in 1900, Michelin had started. uh, The the big tire man um, had been, like, in Europe. But in America, there was nowhere that you could find out um, how to eat anywhere if it wasn't in your town. Or you didn't know somebody in that town. So it was a problem for a lot of people. Um, So many restaurants were not listed on maps and they were often hidden on dusty back roads and didn't have any health inspectors because health inspectors weren't a thing. Hence the rotten meat. I guess there was rotten meat other places than just at the train station. Yeah. So just get the cottage cheese, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Just get a a thing of Pringles. Keep Keep it safe. So he carried a tiny journal with him. And he would, like, jot down everywhere that he went because he was traveling around the country so much. So he was like, oh, I should, like, remember where this is and I can tell other people. And that's when he came across Colonel Sanders selling fried chicken at, like, a gas station or something. And he was the one who, like, made Colonel Sanders' career because he put it in what I will tell you about later, his, like, book that he wrote about where to find good food. Oh. So he also, like, um, he was really, like, picky about health and safety and so he was like the kitchen is the first spot i inspect in an eating place most people will die from a hit or miss uh eating experience and from a hit and run from driving i don't is that was was that true in the 1920s i guess yeah i guess there was either a lot of deaths by botulism or not a lot of deaths by hit and runs or both Um, interesting Yeah, so then he writes a book called Adventures in Good Eating, which really puts him on the map, pun intended. Um, He would frequently pop into the kitchen to scrutinize how the staff handled the food and then would go into the back to investigate the restaurant's garbage pile, which, like, reminds me of some customers at Brucey. An original asshole. (laughs) Yeah, like the first fucking jerk-off to ever pop his head in a restaurant kitchen and look around. And I mean, then what if he didn't like what he saw? Would he just leave? Yeah, he would leave. And he okay, would write so. a bad review. Um, oh, although so I, don't think he, I don't think he put really bad reviews in there. Maybe he would just, like, you know, gossip about it. I'm not sure. He definitely wouldn't put it in his book, that's for sure. Okay, like, so it was, like, bad places. not, like, Yelp. It wasn't, like, Yelp. Come to think of it, I think he really... I think he made some critiques in his book, but I think if he didn't like a place, he just wouldn't. It was about including the good places to tell people to eat. Yeah. Um, So he meticulously recorded the names of the most pristine diners, the inns with the tastiest prime roast beef, and where to find the stickiest honey buns, which sounds great. I love a sticky bun. Um, The stickier, the better. That's what I say. Um, (laughs) He noted if they had air conditioning, the prices, blah, 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 blah. His notes were very accurate. This is cool. Yeah, it is actually really cool. And he became the most trusted person in food. So essentially, I mean, he's becoming the very first restaurant critic and creating the first kind of um, network of how to find restaurants. And in in effect, making restaurants like a place where people out of town could actually go and find. And you know what I mean? Like creating the kind of restaurant frenzy we have today. So he began all that. 
the restaurant frenzy. But also, I'm assuming that he was only going to white restaurants. I mean... Or white I don't know. To be honest, I don't know the answer to that. I guess we could make that assumption, but I don't know that because I don't I haven't read the book, so I have no idea. I tried to look up, like, Duncan Hines racist, Duncan Hines asshole. <laughs> I did find... I'll tell you about a bunch of awful things that he did, but there's there was nothing that I could firmly find to say that he was racist, but I think we should assume he definitely was racist because he looks like a racist and his dad was a, fought in the Confederacy. He's from Kentucky in the 1800s. So I'm sure... Right. He doesn't sound like a great guy, honestly, as, as you'll come to know. Um, so as word spread among his family and friends, people were begging him to share his list. So he would share his list with people as they would like pester him, starting in like about 1935... He sent out a little blue pamphlet of all the restaurants that contained 167 restaurants across 33 states and sent them out as, like, in a Christmas card that he could safely recommend. Again, he's really into, like, food safety. Um, he probably got a lot of diarrhea. Germaphobe. And... I think he's just a germaphobe who... Yeah. This is also another serial killer element, right? Like... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so he wrote elsewhere, not in his book, but he wrote elsewhere that he would like to, quote, would like to be a food dictator of the USA, sure. killer, just as long enough to padlock two-thirds of the places that call themselves cafes or restaurants. As one writer put it, his reviews were chatty, self-important, marketing-friendly. If he lived today, Duncan Hines would be the most famous food blogger. So, yeah. D- yeah, he sounds like a real piece of shit. Also, in like, 19- germaphobes, no, sorry, but just, like, I'm, you know, I have a problem with people that are germaphobes and, like, Same. think that you're going to die of food poisoning because of the way something looks. It just, like, he probably would have, I'm glad, I'm glad that he wasn't the most famous blogger. I'm glad the internet didn't exist so that he couldn't padlock those restaurants. Sure, maybe some of them did give somebody botulism, but. But some of them didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, agreed. I, I'm not, I, you know, we could go, we actually, we should do a an episode on the rating health code rating system because oh yeah it's actually really racist and fucked up and i it's terrible let's talk about that next week um in 1936 at age 55 heinz self-published the first edition of his book adventures in good eating and sold them for one dollar each um they contain the names of 475 restaurants from coast to coast that he had approved and the books were sold by word of mouth and quickly sold out so the following year he raised the guides to 150 and they would stay at $1.50 for the next 25 years, which is pretty wow. crazy. I know. Um, he didn't go to all of the restaurants by himself, and he got, like, a group of people that he would call diner detectives. And they were friends and strangers that included the inventor of Southern Comfort, who would serve dinner on gold dishes that once belonged to the Tsar of Russia. Um, what? So, like, we're getting a little bit of an definitely uppity so what you're saying like he definitely obviously right he went to the gas station to eat fried chicken he's not just eating fancy stuff but the people who are his diner detectives again we'll come to find out in a few moments about his uh, elitism kind of inclinations uh but so these are the types of people recommendations written by heinz's close friends the sing master the sing masters were so adroit this is quoted from an article, obviously, and so attuned to Heinz's own taste that they went into the books, no questions asked. Um, at the book's height, Heinz had 400 diner detectives working for him. 400 close friends? Exactly. 400 really close friends who I'm sure were all white and rich. Um, hmm. So he would order 11,000 copies of this book. 
And when it first came out and he distributed himself, he lost money on the first two printings, but then er, but then he made money on the third printing. Um, so anyway, it was like a huge, huge, huge deal to be in the guidebook. Um, what so year was this? Kept, this was in the, in the mid forties and early fifties. Okay. No, I'm sorry, the mid thirties to mid forties and then on into the fifties, but it began in the mid thirties. Um, so at the time, so he, he would, uh, print these like tin things or people could print them themselves and it would be like Duncan Hines approved restaurant so he wouldn't like take any advertising for the book like you couldn't pay him to like get into the book or whatever but you could buy this like sign you know what I mean like having the sign in your window was the the seal sure and he charged people to use the seal so it's kind of like backhanded what so like you couldn't like you couldn't give him money to get into the thing but if you got into the thing and you wanted to put Heinz approved you had to pay him mm. I know it's crazy and at the time most families were making only $3,000 a year which in today's money is $28,000 so but for what he was making on cashing in for the sign thing he was making $363,000 a year for selling the rights to display the, the sign sounds so, like a scam he sucks um, so then he, he, like, as after this book became popular in 1938, he publishes Lodging for a Night and Adventures in Good Cooking, Famous Recipes, and the Art of Carving in the Home, which I don't know what that means, to be honest. So the art I didn't of what mean, in the home? Carving in the home. Carving? Maybe, like, how to carve meat in your house. Yeah. Huh. I, I don't know. So this is where we start to learn what a shithead he is. This woman, Louis, uh, Louise Hatchett, um, biogra- was his biographer. And apparently she claims that Heinz was anything but nice. And she painted a picture of someone who was absolutely let the success of his books uh, go to his head. According to the biography, he only hired secretaries that were attractive. His second wife divorced him, citing cruelty. Uh, he had one member of his family who was his nephew worked for him for a short time only to be quit because he of the abuse that he was suffering at his hands. And there's also a suggestion, and I don't know what this is based on, that Heinz disliked a vast percentage of the people that he was writing about. Um, and then he would only hire people that were already successful because he felt unsuccessful people, quote, uh, absolutely couldn't be trusted. And during the Great Depression and the war years, there was heartbreakingly high per- uh, percentage of the American population was unsuccessful because yeah. everyone was out of work. Right? 25% unemployment. Um, so anyway, he would take three months out of the year to like, basically he was getting so fat and full of butter and mayonnaise on the road that he would take three months out of the year to like detox and like from eating bad food. And he would eat fairly healthy except for this his favorite cocktail which was <laughs> gin grenadine watermelon pickle juice lime juice orange blossom honey cream and a whole egg and he would drink over a dozen of them at a time <laughs> wowie so was he an overweight man <laughs> he wasn't like huge he was like a bigger guy but he was you, you know he wasn't like crazy big but that's 12 eggs yeah i mean just in your drink Portion sizes were much smaller back then, so it was easier to be slim. It's fucking crazy. So then, anyway, then comes, like, uh, he forms, like, a company 
with this other guy. They formed the Heinz Park Food Inc. in 1949, and their first product was ice cream. He didn't know how to ever cook anything. He just put his name on it because he was, like, famous for a small amount of time. Um, their ice cream was contained more butterfat than commercial ice creams, and then they made the cake mix, and it was so popular because they didn't use powdered eggs. They suggested that people put their own eggs in. Um, so it became really like popular because of the not using powdered eggs, I guess it was better. Oh, I'm looking up the old timey Duncan Hines cake mix boxes and it's very cute and nostalgic. It's cute. And so listen, 37 of the original 167 restaurants on Heinz's, um, 1935 list still remain. And I wonder if any of those are the same that you were talking about. Oh my gosh. I wonder. Yeah. And there's, there's an article in Savoir, um, by the person I just mentioned by Todd Coleman, um, and him and a co and another person go across country from Chicago to New York to try to eat at some of these restaurants. And it was really, it was a cool article. It's worth checking out. It sounds really cool. Yeah. And then he died of lung cancer on March 15th, 1959, two weeks before mm-hmm. his 80th birthday. Wow. And yeah, that's about it. That's Duncan wait, Hines. Wait, so he, we don't, the, the horrible stuff is just that he was mean to his nephew and his wife said he was cruel. Yeah, he was, like, cruel and mean, and he was an elitist. I mean, he only hired people who to work for him who were successful, which is just, I don't know. He just sounds like a shitty... And then the rest of, like, the kind of other stuff I was just talking about, how he was, he was the classic, shitheady, like, toxic, male, aggressive... Yeah. ...successful guy, basically. Yeah, he fits right in with people present day. Exactly. He was, like, the Trump of road food. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I thought it was a really interesting story. And, like, despite the fact that he is seemingly is a bad person, very interesting his contribution to restaurant society, uh, restaurant culture, and to modern restaurants and how people view them. I mean, it's just a pretty big contributor that we don't really think of and we just see on a cake box mix name. But that's the real story. And I think yeah, it's I actually didn't... very interesting. I didn't realize that he was a real person because I thought Duncan was like a play on dunking stuff and milk. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Until Brent mentioned it in that fried chicken episode, but yeah. um, there's a Daily Herald article that says Duncan Hines is a real person and kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just sounded like a like a dick. Like there was nothing yeah. that you know they weren't like, and he was in the KKK, although he definitely could have been, or he was a murderer, as we've come to find out. Yeah, um, I can't believe but, that we blew this man from the train wide open, and he's I know. the guy. He's the Black Dahlia murderer also, even <laughs> though he was, like, 78 at that time. <laughs> but, yeah. That's funny. So, question, what are your recommendations for, like, eating on a road trip? Um. Well, so, I love to do a chip buffet so what that means is you get three or more different kinds of chips and then you open all of them and then you snack on them you are the master of a chip buffet what are your like go-to chips for a chip buffet on a road well trip? you got to do a funyun because i feel like a funyun is not a chip that you really buy in your daily i mean maybe some people do but yeah i don't usually eat a funyun in my normal life um mm-hmm. then you get like i feel like on road trips there's chips you don't see in your normal life so you get whatever's fun I usually get like a sour cream and onion chip and then just find whatever interesting chip like when when wrap snacks were happening I definitely got those and wait when what snaps were happening wrap snacks what's that 
It's when rappers were on the cover of potato chip bags. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. What kind of rappers? What era of rap was this? How did I this miss is like, this? <clears throat> this is like in the last five years. They're still around. Oh, yeah. No, I don't remember that. They're called Rap Snacks. We are Rap Snacks. Uh, Rich Homie yeah. Kwan, who I love. Mm-hmm. Although I think maybe, is he canceled? I don't know. Sorry if he is. Um, they made a brand of chips called Rap Snacks, and it has the rappers on the actual chips and they're kind of like you know regular chip flavors here wait the website has the flavors here i'll let you know the ceo is james Lindsay, born in 1994 (laughs) oh good man alive man alive um yeah but then now in my old age that kind of makes me feel like bloaty and not happy so my road trip snacks have changed i actually when i drove from new york to indiana i made a frittata and my cousin brought a bunch of food with her because we're you know we're thrifty and so we basically just ate all the food that we brought with us um i do like to get a fountain soda on the road though like a you know 300 ounce soda same z's i was saying that before to the homies we were in a group chat about everyone's i'm gonna read it off what everyone's favorite road trip food is but that's a good point like you don't want to feel bloated and like you certainly don't want to be gassy on a road trip yeah, Especially you just don't feel great. <laughs> and then you're in the car. I mean, like, you're usually in the car for such a long time. Like, it's just, you just want to maybe, I mean, it's it's hard. It's also, like, fun to get fast food, even though it's increasingly disappointing. We went to, um, what is the place where you do the drive-in, kind of, the old-timey, they have tater tots. Sonic? Yeah, we went to Sonic, and I was really excited to eat at Sonic. And it was just, like, not very good. I haven't really? had. I've never been there. I feel like the only good restaurant experience, fast food restaurant experience that I have anymore is like Taco Bell or McDonald's breakfast. Mm. I haven't eaten fast food since I was a teen. Not because I'm being a snob. I just really haven't. I don't know. I just don't stop for it on road trips and I haven't had it. But I think if I took another road trip, I would maybe do McDonald's french fries dipped in a milkshake. Yeah. Oh, okay. So some of these wrap snacks actually have really good flavors. So here's a couple. Barbecuing with my honey with a dab of ranch. Nice. (laughs) With Migos on the cover. Cool. Migos are canceled. canceled. They are canceled. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe Rich Homie Kwan's okay. I don't know. Uh, This is Cardi B jerk barbecue. Nice. Cardi B also has habanero hot cheese popcorn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she does. White cheddar cheese puffs with a dab of ranch. I'm loving a dab of ranch. Gotta be honest. That sounds great. Uh, Salty vegan maple barbecue. Mm, No, pass. Hard pass on that. (laughs) Cheddar barbecue. Love. Uh, 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 I don't love barbecue chips. They're not my first choice, but... I I love a barbecue chip. I would definitely try this. Uh, Honey jalapeno cheese puffs. Mm. Nah. Another... This is Lil Boozy's Louisiana Heat. I'm into that. I like a hot chip. Yeah. White cheddar popcorn with a dab of ranch. Little Yachty's hot pepper and lime crunchy curls. (laughs) All right. I'll allow it. Yeah. Sour cream and a dab of ranch. Man, these chips are cold. ranch dabs, to be honest. This Migos apparently loves ranch. It's always the Migos. Ooh, they got a cheese fry. Then they have a honeydew cheese puff, which I will not try. Shut it down. That's it. 
no more. Yeah. Anyway. Question next. I want to actually mention. So I asked for people to write into the show and tell tell us what their favorite road trip foods and recommendations are. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to read them on the air quickly to you. These are all our buddies. Uh, our friend Dan. They said that their favorite road trip snack is something I'd never heard of. It sounds great. Called Muddy Buddies. Oh, you don't know about Muddy Buddies? No, but they sound amazing, and I'm very excited because they said they would bring some. To our next gathering. They, their version of Muddy Buddies. It's also called Puppy Chow. It's like the Chex Mix that's filled with chocolate and covered in like powdered sugar. It's peanut butter. You make, I mean, I've, I've never, I didn't know you could buy them, but. Yeah, they, they said, they sent a picture with like that you could buy them. I grew up eating that at Christmas time. You make them in your home. Mm. So Muddy Buddies, there's where Muddy Buddies, Snap Peas, Thin Pretzels, and Seltzer. Okay. Great choice. Um, Becky McNeil was corn nuts, which seems surprising. (laughs) I don't like corn nuts. Catherine O'Malley. I don't know if I've ever had them. Catherine O'Malley said beef jerky and goldfish. Uh, Yeah. I've only briefly, just recently tried beef jerky and it was fine. I would, I would allow it. And goldfish I'm lukewarm about. What? I love them. Yeah. They're not dynamic enough for me. They're not very exciting. Um, Mary O'Malley said sourdough pretzels, uh, Arizona Arnold Palmer, and pistachios. These people are insane. You're trying to eat a sourdough pretzel in a car? That's a mess. Well, no. Those, like, no, no, no. Like, the um, the sourdough pretzels that are regular pretzels, not, like, a hot pretzel. No, I'm just thinking of those big, thick, fat pretzels that burst everywhere when you bite into them. Oh, yeah. There, There is a lot of crumbs. And then pistachios, obviously, there's the shell issue. Breton said, Breton Scott! Former co-host of this podcast said pizza combos, which I know that you like. I am not interested in a pizza combo. I'm into it. I, I like the cheddar combos are fine. I find the pizza ones to be like oddly sweet. Yeah. Uh, and then he said filet of fish from McDonald's. Wow. Brenton will order a fried fish from absolutely anywhere. Um, <laughs> so that was also not surprising. That's funny. My go-to snack is a fountain cherry coke and uh pringles sour cream and onion pringles pringles are great love pringles once you pop you truly cannot stop that's the problem Um, yeah uh, so and then i wanted to know what your top three favorite road trip movies are do you have three um yeah i saw this a little bit late but i would say uh planes trains and automobiles obviously Mm -hmm. um Home Alone. That's a good. That's a good road trip movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, you don't think of that as a road trip movie, but it really is. And then, I don't know. I don't. Maybe I don't have a third. I guess because I, I didn't have time to think of it. But yeah, um, maybe Came you tell me, me yours. Right. Maybe if you tell me yours, I'll think of a third one. Okay, mine are Thelma and Louise. Very good. Um, Chu Wang Fu. Thanks for everything. Oh and yes, then, and then also the, road trip movie. the remake is also very good. I didn't see the remake, but the original is incredible. They're both good. And uh, trains, planes, and automobiles was also on mine. How could it not be? Right. But there are some um, other good ones. Like True Romance is an amazing road trip yeah. movie. City Slickers, technically they're traveling on horseback. Oh yeah, that's road. true. <laughs> they are. I've been watching a lot of regular tv so i've been seeing a lot of movies that are like on tv which is which kind of is a cool experience because 
as we all know, you get fatigued from just like going on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon because you have to pick what you want. You already have to have an right. idea of what you want. And when you have TV, it just like it's on. So you're like, oh yeah, I'll watch City Slickers. So totally, City Slickers is amazing. So. Yeah, and then I've um, also another road trip movie could be like The Fugitive, like because he's on the road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh, I on recently that note. saw. Wait, hold on, one more thing before we go. I know oh, I'm probably please. over time, but I saw, I, I don't know if it's a New Yorker cartoon or what, but there's like this stick drawing of this kid at a little table and he has two little dolls in his hand and one of them says, I didn't kill my wife. And the other one says, I don't care. And then he throws one of the dolls into a bucket of water, which is like that scene from The Fugitive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love The Fugitive. Um, we do have to go, but I actually wanted to quickly mention something because... Uh, I think in an effort to keep momentum alive and incorporated in the rest of our lives uh, via, I mean, read the Black Lives Matter movement. I just want to mention this week quickly, um, uh, Glitz, which is gays and lesbians living mm-hmm. in a transgender society. Um, I will be donating for the next couple weeks a portion of the proceeds from all of the catering orders that come in for my little catering company to this organization. Um, and since we're running out of time, I'm not going to read the full thing, but basically just a little bit from their website about who they are. We approach health. This is from the website uh, about who they are. We approach the health and rights uh, crises faced by transgender sex workers holistically using harm reduction, human, right, human rights principles, economic and social justice, along with a commitment to empower and pride in finding solutions from our own community. The first issue we address is the immediate need and crisis for support of transgender sex workers, including community members from the New York City area, across the U.S., and globally through supporting asylum seekers from our priority communities. The next issue we address is health care and health resilience for transgender sex workers, and they are raising a lot of money for housing um, for sex workers in New York City and beyond. So just wanted to shout that out and say that a portion yeah. of the proceeds will go to that. Also, decriminalize or legalize sex work, for the love of God. A hundred, a hundred percent. We can get back into that next week. But um, just a quick mention, and uh, this was a fun episode. I had fun. I had a great time. I can't, oh, I might be going on a road trip this summer with our friend Dan. They are moving to LA. Oh, cute. And so I might go with them. And then... Uh, yeah, I've always enjoyed my road trips. The biggest ones I've taken, I think, were just to go visit my dad and then after he passed to go back and forth from North Carolina. So I have a lot of experience with that leg of the country, but I'm looking forward to taking more road trips. That's fun. Maybe future. I will come too. Yeah. Um, also, I thought about great. something that's really funny. It would uh, Maybe yeah. it's not funny, but <laughs> if there was like erotic fan fiction where Duncan Hines and Sarah Lee like get together... <laughs> <laughs> okay, you heard it here first, folks. It's if a you want to write in your fan fiction, please send it to Life's a Banquet. And also send us your funny road trip stories or food. Um, you can either DM me at Zara.Ray on Instagram or just DM the podcast, which would be better, which is Life's a Banquet podcast on Instagram. And we would love to share some of your stories next week on the show or just like post them on our Instagram. It'd be fun. It's a fun topic. Yeah. All right. Well, Nicole, I love you. This was a great episode. And I hope you have a safe trip home on your road trip. And hasta la pasta. Bye-bye. Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. 
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.